Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacey Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, and I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to Fred Carey. Hello. It's good to be here. Fred is the CEO of Idea Pros, where they take new brands from concept to nationwide launch by providing comprehensive services, including market research, positioning, strategy, engineering, naming, branding, sourcing, and even manufacturing. And as a senior executive, strategic consultant, attorney, and investment banker known for building global companies from startup to exit, Fred's overseen the development of over 250 startups. With a JD degree from Thomas Jefferson, postgraduate studies at Harvard Law School, and an international MBA with honors from the University of Liverpool, Fred has an expertise in finance, enterprise software, mobile technologies, and web services, and a strong track record in mergers and acquisitions. Fred's built billions of dollars in corporate value, taken three companies public, and gained a significant following on social media platforms with over 600,000 followers and 100 million video views across Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. His expertise and achievements have also garnered international recognition through media interviews. Today, Fred and I are going to be chatting about what it takes to be a successful business owner and how to turn your ideas into an actual business. We'll learn what works from Fred's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses just miss the mark. Fred, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Well, you know, I'm thinking maybe we should just end the show right now because with that On intro, high note. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's all going to be downhill from here. But I'm happy to be here, and hopefully we're not going to make it a downhill slide. It will not. I already know. I mean, so for our listeners, as I was going through learning more about Fred, and I always do a deep dive on websites, and I look through LinkedIn, I looked at bio material that guests send over. Fred really is a real deal. He has a lot of experience, and I'm fascinated, fascinated by his actual business structure of how he's helping brands. And what I'd like to do, you know, I just read a whole laundry list of all your degrees, along with all your other accomplishments, right? But can you share with us how you got started and got here today? Well, you know, it's a long journey. And I think if you're an entrepreneur, you're kind of made that way and you're always kind of the outsider in high school a little bit and and uh, people don't quite understand you so long live um, the geek (laughs) yeah so i you know i never got there i was always there it's just uh i have more money now than i had when i first started it's it's i never saw myself being capable of following somebody else's direction and so therefore i had to pave my own road sometimes straight down a cliff, but uh, it was my road. And that's just the way I did it. You know, and as as I grew multiple companies, 10 different companies, taken some public and had others acquired by public companies, I got to the point in my life where, you know, they say you spend the first half of your career building your portfolio and building out your resume. And you spend the second half of your career building out your legacy. And so I definitely got to the second half of my career point. And that's when I decided to start Idea Pros. It was either uh, retire and uh, relax and just hang out on a, on a boat or uh, work harder than I ever have in my life. And for some reason, I, I chose the latter. 
Well, seemingly you told me that you're working with over 400 brands right now. So you are obviously working harder than you've ever worked before. Yeah. And uh, anybody that would come to me for advice, I'd tell them not to do something so stupid uh, as what I'm doing, because uh, frankly, and, and many of your listeners, I'm sure, have their own startups and they know almost on a daily basis, there's pain. You're sitting in your bed at three in the morning, the lights are out, your eyes are wide open, tears coming down, staring at the ceiling, wondering if you did the right thing or not. We'll multiply that times 400 because I'm the daddy to all of them. I own 30% of each of those companies. And and when there's a fire, everybody comes to Fred to, to fix it. So, so basically, you're the real life personification of Shark Tank. Yeah, you could you could say that, except better. Um, yeah, better, do... <laughs> less less Hollywood and and better and more reality and results. Yeah, yeah. So so we're looking for real entrepreneurs that are going to work hard and really need to be trained. You know, we have uh, social media has kind of killed us in the sense that when when I was a kid, when you thought of a rich person, it was always the doctor, the lawyer, the business owner down the street, movie stars, uh, athletes. And now it's all entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. And you go on social media and they make it look so easy and it's so hard. And and so therefore the the folks that get in there as an entrepreneur for the first time, they don't have any anything to do, no place to go to. You know, even companies like Shark Tank or shows like Shark Tank, if they give them money, the reality is they don't give them enough advice. And we kind of handhold people that want to be entrepreneurs. We train them how to kick ass. We build out their project with them and turn it into a nationwide or, or global sometimes company. And we give them an unfair advantage. We make them the insiders that really only represent 1% of entrepreneurs. We make that available for everybody. Yeah. And, and what you guys do that I think is so good is that you provide actual real world support for these companies. And it's not just advice. I mean, you can go into any coaching platform and you can hear all the things you need to do from marketing to finance to how not to screw up your taxes and how to be a good manager and how to be a great leader and all the things that an entrepreneur has to do with a thousand and one added. And I know this because I have owned a business for 16 years. And it's a lot. And there are a lot of yeah. nights where you're like, holy hell, what have I gotten myself into? And there's a lot of onus on entrepreneurs to think that they can not only come up with a good product idea, not only market that product idea, not only find someone to sell that product idea into, not only find the ability to legalize and lawyer all of that and patent it and trademark it and, and, and. So when you meet entrepreneurs who are seasoned, they know a lot and how to do it. And that's what you're bringing to the table because of your own past. But most of these companies, when they're starting out, they don't know any of these things and they're a little pinky. All they know is they have a good name of a brand, maybe, and they have a product idea that might be better than their name. And then they're off to the races and they're supposed to be a success. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like needing brain surgery. And instead of going looking for a doctor, you're going to look for brain surgery equipment. And the, the, that's all that we have as entrepreneurs nowadays. Nobody gets it right the first time. It's hard enough to get it right on the 10th try. You know, and we have some of the most famous athletes in the world sucked ass when they first stepped on that field. And there's same thing that we should expect as entrepreneurs. You can go read a book, do all that stuff. But 
we offer kind of, it's almost like an apprenticeship, right? Mm -hmm. You're sitting there, you're not going to learn to be a great leader overnight, but you can work with people who are great leaders, who are entrepreneurs, who've been there, done that, been on Shark Tank and won, raised funds, got companies public, and have them working with you side by side, training you, teaching you, enabling you while you're doing it, to me is a much better solution than trying to become this overnight success on your own. Well, it, in order to be successful, it obviously takes a lot of um, doing the wrong things and learning from them. So constantly screwing up over and over and over again, and you're enabling people to shortcut that by actually getting the expertise where they can learn from all of your fuck ups instead. Yes. And I've had plenty of fuck ups. And by the way, we still have them. Uh, we we have to pivot all the time. When you got 400 companies, there are things happening that cause you to change direction and if you don't have the the mindset to eagerly anticipate that change you're never going to make it as an entrepreneur you have to anticipate embrace uh failure and grow from that learn from that and find the right way to do it instead of the way you thought it was because frankly most of the time you're creating something that didn't exist before or certainly hasn't existed in the way that you're building it how on earth do you think you could possibly get it right? So you got to be able to embrace failure or you're never, ever going to make it. So we teach people not how to be perfect. We teach people how to love failure so they can figure out the right way to do something. Yeah. I mean, you today would still not know how to tie your shoe if you did not actually screw that up on a number of occasions along the way. Well, most of my shoes I leave untied, I have to tell you. (laughs) Now I like Velcro shoes myself now because they're way handier. Yeah, exactly. Flip flops. Yeah. So, what are some of the common things that entrepreneurs do when you're finding them, and and they're so you know excited about the product that they have? And I'm assuming typically you're finding them while they're still on their excited and their love of and their quest versus the I'm downtrodden and broken and I've I'm never going to make it. So I'm sure there's an up lift that you find for a lot of the people who originally reach out to you. Yeah. When people come to us, I think that, and, and I tried to kind of condense this down into one word of what, it, what is it that somebody that comes to us really feels when they first sign an agreement with us? And the word it came up with is validation, because almost everybody has been, I've thought of this idea for a year, three years, five years. We've had people that had an idea for 10 years and didn't act on it. And I'm sure their wives or their husbands are telling them to get back to work and shut up. And people at the bar are walking away from them because they know they want to talk about their lame ass idea. And so when they come to us, it's validation that they're really getting because, wow, here's people that have done it before and um, and they're all in and they believe in what I'm doing. But the very first thing I tell them is that we're going to really disappoint the fuck out of you. Uh, that's a big thing you're going to get from us is a lot of dis- disappointment, frustration, anxiety, and second guessing yourself. I don't build them up. That's why I tell them they're they're about to receive. And the reason is because that's what you're going to get. No matter if you have a really experienced team or a novice team, it's just the experienced team is going to know what to do when you have those fires and how to deal with them, how to put them out and how to go in a different direction. That's what you really get. Firefighters that sit along with you. And who are very well versed at their firefighting techniques. Yeah. 
And so, you know, I think a lot of the things I would assume when someone's coming to you and they have this brilliant idea. And I know you like saying if it's on, whether it's drawn on a cocktail napkin or whether it's actually an established company, people are looking for, as you said, validation, but they're really hoping that you're buying in and your energy is going to help feed their brand and feed their business and make it grow on a monster scale. When you first start working with these brands, what are you looking for? Like what actually makes a brand stand out or not so much the brand, the owner behind the brand, the inventor that's going to catch your eye and say they have the spirit to make this happen? Yeah, you know, and that's kind of where I screwed up in the beginning. I was looking more at the brand potential than the entrepreneurial potential. And now it's even more important for me to know that this person has the wherewithal, uh, the determination, the persistence to never give up. That is the characteristic. If you don't have that, you're going to be bitching and moaning. And wow, this engineering was supposed to take three months and now it's been four months. And and instead of understanding, uh, you know, maybe the world was in a pandemic and everything got slowed down, um, they want to they want to be special and you know get an award for coming in eighth place. And you don't do that. That's not what happens. So I look for a real entrepreneur. And now instead of looking at the exact idea, I kind of really look at the space. Is there a hole in this space? And if there is, is is there something like this idea that can help fill that hole? Like, is there a market already? Is there a demand already? Is there a need? Is there a growing opportunity with fervent customers that are kind of pissed off because they don't have this one thing? If I can find that one thing and it even massage the idea that this new partner has to fill that hole, then I know I have a winner on my hands because the market's been proven out, the demand is there, and nobody's servicing that demand. So a lot of our products change pretty rapidly once they come in-house. Are there certain products that are better than others? Are services better than products better than clothing versus alcohol versus anything? I've just named two categories only, but imagine a thousand other categories uh, uh, there. Well, uh, if you look, I, you know, I told you before we run, we're out raising capital right now before we go public. And one of my uh, one of my slides in my deck has the different categories we're in. And there's about 56 mm-hmm. different things. Um, whether or not any has is better than than the other it's hard to to say you know things right now obviously like ai and stuff well that's amazing but it's going to be like every other thing that's ever happened from dot com to uh, mess ups in web 3.0 to cryptocurrency to fintech to all of them they you know they they're just too there are too many moving parts and there's going to be many many more losers uh than winners so to me, a best category is a, is a category in any marketplace that's growing, that's evolving, that the, there's a demand for, and there's room for competition. Uh, for example, in the beauty industry, there's a, a new uh, a new take on kind of raw in- ingredients and freshness mm-hmm. and purity in the products. We have a brand that we launched called Raw Beauty Co. You can see it on rawbeautyco.com. All natural all small batch, you know, it's really, really taking off because most of these brands before would be found in the whole foods of of the world. They didn't really brand themselves well. 
And so now we've taken the same type of branding you might do for a multinational company and given it to this pure, authentic, small batch brand and, and those type of things as society changes and looks more and more for things like that, those things do really well. Um, other things that, and we tell the, our partners right in the very beginning that are kind of more like ones and zeros is like apps. Everybody wants to build an app. In fact, almost half of our projects are apps, but you either really hit it big or you don't hit it at all with an app. And that's a, a risk that I want all of my app partners and all of you thinking of apps out there to understand. You're either really going to make it or you're not going to make it at all. Whereas these other consumer goods, if you're out making an extra $200,000 a year, you're feeling like, wow, I'm doing something. You can't do that with, with those type of products. No, with an app, it pretty much sucks all your money into all of the engineering. And then you have to figure out the back end. You have to, you're like, I have the best back end, but my front end is ugly. Or you're like, I have an awesome front end. It looks so cool. Yeah. Oh, it's glitchy. Like yeah. it's a money pit. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. And uh, uh, in fact, the uh, the CEO of LinkedIn uh, famously said, although nobody's heard it apparently, but uh, I think he famously said it. If you're not embarrassed by V1 of your launch product, then you've waited too long to launch, you know? And so the uh, reality is that people are looking for perfection. They keep spending more and more and more money and you're never going to find perfection. I don't know why that is that way with app development. I have, and I, we have uh, 160 apps and we're working with some of the best developers in the world. And I'm never happy with, with them. I'm never happy with the progress. I'm never happy with the final result. And I, you know, it's like, it's doesn't feel like soup yet. Whereas some of the products that we're doing, the physical products are, you know, we can touch them and hold them. And uh, even simple things like Fritz toffee uh, is uh, a brand that a, a great grandmother was making in this little restaurant in Idaho for years. 35 years or something and there's 50 people in the Fritz family and and they came with this little toffee thing and and we kind of modernized it and really made it consistent got really great branding and everything and they're now the number one toffee in America you know in just uh just a year it's a small thing but it's changed their lives and uh their their future and so it doesn't have to be revolutionary I think products that evolve rather than revolt are where you really should look. You know, you want to you want to evolve wherever you're going into instead of completely disrupt the market and try to create something that doesn't exist at all because you're going to need tens of millions or even billions of dollars to pull that off. Do you have a favorite type of brand to work with? A favorite type? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, um, maybe I'm not understanding the question well. Like you... a favorite, is there a favorite category that you have? So apps uh, you know, are like a hurdle and toffee, which has no coding required and a lot of sugar <laughs> basically as its base and not too many ingredients. You said simple, fast success, but is there anything that you think is just like a great brand category? Yeah, you know, no. There isn't. And and that's like, you know, which kid do you like best of yours? Um, I really try to avoid that. But I really love, I love something that on, on its surface seems simple, but um, below the surface is uh, not. 
And mm-hmm. one of the things, this is a not a success story. I'll, I'll tell you my non-success story because it was just too hard <laughs> with a partner and I to really, really agree. Uh, and this partner has a, a brand of burritos and uh, he was selling quite well for them. And and I studied the the brand. I studied the that sector. And I thought, you know what? You could crush it with a really healthy, really good tasting burrito. And so we completely repositioned it. We found a co-packer. Like even the tortilla itself had half the fat of a regular burrito. All the amazing healthy ingredients. Uh, the tagline was the the better burrito, uh, and and it was going to sit in its own little place, you know, in its little, little end cap, and be sold as this fresh thing right next to all the frozen crappy fatty burritos. And I thought we were going to kill it. I got Whole Foods involved. Uh, I got a distributor who's going to distribute it all over the country. And my partner just wouldn't go along with it and just wanted to make his burrito a little less fatty, uh, but still sit there at the 7-Eleven frozen area, you know. So it didn't work out for me and it was very disappointing. But that was a very simple thing that we could have ruled an industry, you know, because it's just everybody loves them. And now, wow, there's a healthy one that's fresh and sitting there ready for me to eat on my way home. Um, It would have been a killer. Well, I think that happens a lot with entrepreneurs, right? They can't get, so you've, you've birthed this baby and you've put all of your lifeblood into it, all of your, your wants, your yearnings, your desires, you think it's the best baby in the entire world. And you can't actually get away from it where now you are the helicopter parent that is really causing it to never be able to come into its own because you right. can only take it so far exactly. and it's really hard to have trust and faith in letting other people into that world to carry that burden and help you grow it into the giant it can be oh yeah absolutely you know it's really hard to hear that your baby is ugly um, but to me all babies look like winston churchill and and uh all products when you first start them look like Winston Churchill too, you know, they're just, I had, I I do a a half hour show on Facebook uh, every Friday and one of the episodes, and I go deep into a different subject every week. And one of the episodes was what do millionaires and bad ideas have in common? Uh, Because we all start with, right. We all start with bad ideas, but you, you become successful at those bad ideas when you can take them and germinate them and turn them into a really good idea, you know, and, it, and it's being able to let go and to pivot and do things different than you intended to at the very beginning that makes it uh, really happen and, and makes it stand out in the marketplace. One of the things that I think you do that's very interesting is you have entrepreneurs audition basically for you. You have them come to you. And instead of you saying, here's all my bells and shiny whistles and aren't I fantastic? And here's all the things I can do for you. You're turning it around and you're saying, we only want to work with people who truly are ready to work with us, who are going to put their passion, their drive, their everything into this so that we're not wasting time trying to build a brand that does not have the essence of you within it. Yeah, the, uh, look, the reality is 
everybody thinks they do a great job, but I am betting on somebody to to make a difference in my life because even if we if somebody comes in as a full partner, they're giving us $100,000 or more, and you're giving us 30% of the company we're going to form together. Now, that seems like a lot of money, but if they're going to do it on their own, it's going to cost them a million dollars. They're going to completely fuck it up, and their 100% equity is going to be worth zero. So I want to make sure I'm riding the right horse. I know what track to go on. I know how to feed it. I know how to how to make it a winner. But internally, you have to want to be a winner as well. And so we want to make sure that the people that come to us not only have an idea that can be blossomed, but that are of a mindset that can grow into these uh, wonderful uh, entrepreneurs. We actually had Mm, about 100,000 applications in the last two years, and we've taken 400 partners. So it's pretty stringent what I'm looking for. You have quite the review process then that you have to go through if that's how many people are reaching out to you and you're having to call down. Yeah, which is why I'm offering little projects too now. Uh, you know, now I did my uh, purpose-driven entrepreneurship courses and how do you know your sucky idea is sucks? Uh, little things for $500, $1,000 that so everybody that comes in has something that they can get themselves to one more step. Even that little validation of your idea thing, which is that and the entrepreneurship courses are like $2,000 or something. But it fixes the biggest problem we have in America as entrepreneurs. The number one reason that new businesses fail, shocking hold your breath. They created something that there's no demand for. Yeah. That's number one. It's insane. You know, they don't even do that research that you need to do on a preliminary basis just to see where you are, who's the competitor, who's the audience, how are you going to get them? Why are they going to pick you instead of somebody else? We don't even do those fundamental things. And that's why that's the number one cause of failure, even higher than not having enough capital. Right. And it, that makes sense that that happens. So when you're going through your review, and we already talked about the fact that you're looking for, you know, that that passion and drive piece that I keep on saying, because that's my yeah. favorite thing in life of telling our team members that I can give them everything, but cannot give them passion and drive. You have to have that spark. What else are you looking for in a company to decide if it's going to be a successful partner for you? The biggest thing is adaptability and change and not to be stuck on the idea you have. I mean, you don't have to go very far back to look at some of the biggest brands in the world. But when Uber first started out, it was just a convenient way to hail a cab. Really, there, there were no Uber cars. There were no drivers. It was just a, the next best way to get a cab. Uh, and that's it. And they made a few changes since then. Uh, if you look at Airbnb, you know, it started out air bed and breakfast. It was guys that couldn't get a job, didn't have any money. Three of them, they're still together and, and they're awesome. You, you should look them up at uh, the story of the CEO. He's very open, humble, brilliant guy who really tells the story in, in, a, in a very sincere way. But they went out and bought a couple of air mattresses and were renting out the air mattresses for 80 bucks. That's how they started. And he had a, a problem to solve, I believe. He needed a place to stay and he's exactly. like, there's no places to stay. Exactly. And so air mattresses was it. And then they they went from a couple to buying a bunch of air mattresses and finding other people with apartments that would let people stay uh, on there. And they were not able to get one penny 
from any venture capital firm at all, everybody they went to said, wait a minute, you're going to have people invite complete strangers into their home. And there was a big story, not that big of a story, but there was a story by a big dude who basically said, rapists, murderers, thieves, you know, all the robbers, that's exactly what you're going to get. I hope this stays underground because if it ever gets big, that's all that's going to be in there. And the only way they even got any capital is they got so desperate that uh, during the presidential elections, they created Obama O's and McCain Flakes, the two cereals that they put inside their uh, and by the way, none of the cereal companies would work with them. So they had to go to the dollar store and, and get Cheerios and cornflakes and put them in these boxes that somebody made for them. And they were selling them for 40 bucks a piece in the apartments. And the guys at Y Combinator first were going to throw them out. But then they said, you know what? If you can get people to buy cereal for 40 bucks, you can probably get strangers to live with uh, other other people. So they gave them their first 20 grand. But, you know, that company evolved enormously and and most of the companies that we look at that are these big multinationals now they started in completely different places so i really look for that flexibility that open-mindedness go where the river is going to take you and don't be afraid and what you're helping them with is and, and just much like airbnb you know they were going to venture capitalists who sure as hell were not going to in their lily white castles ever <laughs> consider having a stranger come in and stay with them. But where the cash was actually at, they weren't willing to give it up because they didn't understand it. And if they'd been able to go to a younger demographic, people who were okay with couch surfing and had a little less dollars for the highbrow, and that could have been a game changer for them. But that's what you do too. You find the dollars for the company, correct? So it's not just that here is all the business sense, the legal sense, the marketing sense, the sales yeah. sense. You're actually helping them find the cash. Yeah. Look, so the, if you're an outsider, you, you're going to fail. You have 95% chance or maybe greater of, of failure. And it's not just that you're building the wrong thing. Even if you build everything perfectly, what you're missing at the end are the connections and the access to capital and to know how to talk like and somebody who is giving you the money wants to hear, right? You need to learn how to talk like an investor. And if you don't have those three things, you're never going to raise capital. I just helped the company right now, really solid people that are very influential in their own industry. They're, they were trying to raise money forever, couldn't raise a penny. And I said, let me see your pitch deck. Their whole pitch deck was all about them and how great they are and how their poop doesn't stink and you know how they're going to change the world. Where if you're an investor, this is just one simple example, but this is the whole thing. If you're an investor, you don't want to hear any of that shit. You want to hear, well, there's a big ass opportunity. I'm going to buy stock. Why am I going to buy it at this price? What, what makes it worth this much? How much is it going to be worth when I sell it? And when can I sell it? That's all they care about. So, so as an entrepreneur, every single slide in your deck has to relate to the money. You know, this is my pro forma. This is how we're doing this. This is how we're doing that. And they don't want to hear that you're revolutionizing the world. For God's sakes, you know, I'm not going to bet my dollars on your lame ass idea. They want to hear that you're evolving. That, look, there's four of the companies that have done what we're doing. We're no smarter than any of them. They're all worth more than a billion dollars now. We just found this additional layer that nobody's doing and there's a big market for and there's a big demand for and 28% of the one-star reviews that these companies get 
they get because they don't have this one thing that we have. Like from an investor standpoint, that's powerful and solid. We don't talk that way. So if you don't know how to talk that way, if you don't have the connections to go to the people to talk that way, and if you don't have the connections to open up the doors at Target and Walmart and whoever your audience is at the highest levels, then you're still not going to make it. And that, that's what we turn those outsiders into insiders with those types of things. Well, this is where I would love to say, how can our listeners find out more about you? <laughs> well, there's, there, there's several ways. You can go on Instagram. I'm at official Fred Carey, C-A-R-Y. I have a, a half a million followers there and I write something every day or I don't write anything ever, but I, uh, I say something different every day and it's all off the cuff. I just talk about something different. I don't have a script. I don't have bullet points. I just uh, pick up a camera and start talking. So it comes from the heart. And uh, a lot of people have found it to be very powerful because I don't just talk about entrepreneurship. I talk about finding yourself finding your purpose, trying to get passion in your life and combining doing the right thing with doing really successful things. So that's a real easy way to hopefully kickstart what you, whatever it is you want to do. You can also go to ideapros.com and ideapros.com. We have a ton of free stuff on there. You could also apply to, to work with us, but our blog page on there kicks ass. It's the best blog page I've ever seen. I have little to do with it other than it's all my content that they put in there, they've indexed it, table of contents by subject matter. And it goes pretty deeply into anything you want to learn about as an entrepreneur. And then again, on Facebook and the idea pros page on Facebook, every Friday at noon Pacific, we do a half hour show that digs deep into different entrepreneurial subjects. Well, if a brand was to show up right this minute here on this podcast, what could they do to stand out and wow you, do you think, that you would actually take notice? If they did their homework about me and if they were speaking to, you know, uh, you, and I've seen so many of these things right now. I'm helping somebody uh, out right now that basically said, well, I belong to this, this closed group on Facebook and they're always talking about Close a deal right now. Close a deal right now. You know, show them, show them your card. Uh, these are the three different levels we have. Um, if you want to impress me, you're going to come to me and you're going to say, you know, Fred, I looked you up. I read all about you. Saw these last seven articles. I watched two of your podcasts. I'm on your social media and I'm seeing the things that you people really react well with you on, and the other things that you talk about that don't do so well. And I think I got a solution for you, really tailored to what your needs are. So for a brand to be authentic and actually do their homework ahead of time and don't force that sales thing right down somebody's throat right in the very beginning, develop a relationship, develop a bond, a friendship first. Be Don't be afraid to give away free stuff. You know, hey, look, I looked at your social media. We did analytics for you. Here's what you have going on. And this is you could go try to fix it yourself. We're happy to work with you if you want. A brand that does that type of stuff is one that I'll talk to. Well, for all of our listeners, you could be that brand. All you have to do is visit his website and you can say hi to Fred and, and try your best to be considered to be one of the 401 brands out of the 100,000 <laughs> that have applied yeah. to them. So, yeah. and, by, and by the way, Fred at ideapros.com. If anybody wants to write to me, I know my assistant goes crazy every time I say that. Um, we get about 500 emails a day. 
and she has to sort through them all. But seriously, Credit Idea Pros, just write to me. I'll, I'll write back to you, even if I can't really work with you. I can give you a little bit of free advice. Thank you so much for joining today. Really could talk to you probably for the next two or three hours and keep on going down a rabbit hole into all things that you're doing and how you're helping brands. But I think the business that you're creating is one that's needed. Um, I like the fact that you have created a partnership where everyone's invested, which is turning the model of hiring outsourced help on its side. And I think that's what's a lot of times broken. You know, I, I own an agency and I see that a lot where, you know, brands or people come in and they just want to hire you for your time and they pay you for your little thing and go away versus the clients who you're actually able to truly dive in, partner with, help them develop, who listen to you. And it's a different way of setting up a relationship. And I think people would be far more successful if they had more of these mutually beneficial relationships and partnerships in place. Yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And for your audience, you know, when somebody asks you how much it's going to cost me, I think the the real answer is how, how it's going to cost you not to do it. Uh, and and we don't look at that. In fact, marketing budgets, the first thing we want to slash is our ad budget and our marketing budget. That's our persona. That's our voice to the world. And if you can educate your own customers or your own CEO that uh, that, that you are the brand, uh, you are the company, you are the persona. And uh, the price point for not doing it right is enormous compared to the several or few thousand dollars that you spend a month doing it the right way. Well, it can be the difference between success or finding another day job. Exactly. Exactly. Forced unemployment. So Fred, thank you again. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. Take care. Of course. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I really do appreciate your time. And I hope that you found this as valuable as I did. And this was a very valuable episode. Uh, If you have any interest in getting your brand into other people's content, be that product placement in movies and TV shows, influencer marketing, reach out to me, reach out to my team, Hollywood Branded. Love to chat more and talk about how we can help. Have a great one.